you know, when I got to college and I realized that what I had been taught could fall apart with a few questions, but what I had experienced couldn't. I realized that the doctrine stuff wasn't going to be my thing. Um, the critical thinking became extremely important. It was way more important to me that Aaron could ask good questions and reason his way to answers and debate with me and challenge me than it was for him to get the right answer right away because I wanted him to have the skill more than the answer because, you know, welcome to life. How much of the time <laughs> do we spend not having answers? Welcome to Bridging the Potential intergenerational conversations that change the world. This is Aaron Johnson, founding member of Living the Potential Network's Youth Advisory Council, with the question for you. What happens when you bridge the experience, education, and expertise of an elder with the curiosity, energy, and innate wisdom of a youth? It's simple. Everyone grows and the world changes for the better. One conversation, one connection, and one collaboration at a time. Today's podcast is no different. Renee Beth connected me with Amanda Johnson, who is a teacher, entrepreneur, author, personal brand strategist, mindful messenger guide, CEO of True to Intention, and co-founder of Saved by Story Publishing. And of course, she's also my mom. I think you will enjoy our conversation about how to leverage the power of story, curiosity, and transparency in family relationships. My favorite part of this podcast was when my mom shared how her life shaped a parenting style that is grounded in story, and in turn, how she has witnessed stories shape my life. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. This is Renee Beth Poindexter, and I am the founder of Living the Potential Network and your host for today's podcast. After I wrote the book, Living the Potential, Engaging the Wisdom of Our Youth to Save the World, I set out to find ways to create spaces where people could actually hear what the youth have to say. And that's what this podcast is all about. I really love these conversations because if we really listen to a youth's dreams and aspirations and concerns, and we connect them with an elder, a mentor, or maybe even a family member, <laughs> who has experience and wisdom to share and is open to learning from the amazing uh, innovative spirit of the youth. It's really reciprocal learning at its best. And today, you know, I always leave these conversations totally inspired. And today is a unique podcast because there's many types and roles and relationships here, but the two guests that I have here today are actually family members. It's a mother and a son. So we're going to start with Amanda Johnson, who is an amazing entrepreneur, former teacher, um, and she calls herself a personal brand strategist and mindful messenger guide. And she helps messengers. I'm one of them. I'm one of their, her messengers um, and also works with aspiring and struggling uh, speakers and authors and coaches who have a message and need support in bringing it forward. And it's all about the story. And the bottom line is how did they become and heal their story so they can bring it to the world. And of course, she has an amazing story. And then her son, who is with us today, is Aaron Johnson. And Aaron is um, soon to be 20 years old. 
um, but I call him an old soul. Uh, first child and only child of Amanda and Ryan Johnson. And uh, Aaron is an entrepreneur and has really discovered how to bring his voice forward and make choices that serve him by eliminating things that don't serve him. And he has a consciousness of a much older and wiser person. He's an entrepreneur and also a co-founding member of the Youth Advisory Council for Living the Potential Network. And is also a co-founding member of a new business called Saved by Story Publishing. And prior to that, you know, get this straight, he's only 19, but he does have his own business called Catabuilder, where he really is helpful in creating projects and technology support for entrepreneurs and beyond organizations. Um, they got a lot of his experience through mock trial and finding his voice, and he can tell you all about that. But these are two of my most favorite people, and I'm really excited to have this conversation today because the timing of the message is phenomenal. Let's start with you, Amanda. Um, how did I do on the introduction? Did I leave out anything? It's, you know, what's funny is at the beginning of this year, Aaron and I were finishing up a religion of story. And I realized at the last minute, oh, we need our bios. And so I was thinking, oh, I'm going to have to coach Aaron through developing a bio out. Mm -hmm. Nobody loves doing that. And then I grabbed, I went to grab my old bio, copy and paste it in. And I heard this loud, no, like right. it's time <laughs> for a new thing. And it's just such an ordeal to try to communicate everything. Right, right exactly. So, well, I know yeah. one thing I left out is <laughs> several of the books that, you know, um, really have inspired your story is was Upside Down Mommy, Upside, Upside Down Messenger. Mm -hmm. um, and the number of people that you've helped bring forward their books, including mine. But then the book called You Can't Make This Story Up. What if it's all happening for us? can't make the story up. It's a fabulous book. 19, I believe, authors in this one. I got to be one of them as well. And then your most recent book that co-authored with your son, Aaron, A Religion of Story, a powerful way to cultivate character and preserve freedom in our children and culture. This book is so powerful. I've read it a couple of times and now I'm going through and going, we could do a whole workshop, a program for parents and youth to create new relationships together. And I just want to know exactly how did this, how did your journey lead you to this book, this most recent book, Religion of Story? Okay. How to tell the story as quickly and succinctly as possible. So um, before Aaron existed, I thought I was going to be a journalist. And I went to college and I got involved in an honors program that just kicked my butt. I mean, really just kicked my butt. I realized no one had taught me how to think critically and no one had taught me how to really write powerfully. I knew how to write. My English teacher said, I can't wait till you get to college and they kick the fluff out of your writing. And I was like, oh. <laughs> he, he said, you'll see. And I did um, 17 revisions of my first paper that I had to write for this honors program is brutal. So I learned how to develop content really intentionally and, and uh, strategically. And, um, and so also through that journey, I had quite the spiritual crisis unfold. I got into a program at a Christian institution, but this honors program was really about helping young people to own their faith, which meant 
asking big questions like, why do you believe that God exists? And what do you believe about the problem of evil and predestination and free will? And what what do you make of all of this? And so my worldview quickly imploded. And when Aaron was born, I was in the middle of trying to figure out what I believed. And so, you know, career-wise, I was also deciding I was going to become a high school history teacher because someone needs to teach young people how to think. Apparently, no one knew how to do that. So I was going to be, you know, one of those who did that. And um, I got into the education system, got my teaching credential, and um, I jumped in and straight out of that system because I was not healthy enough for it. Um, And the system itself was so unhealthy. So I got the room with 35 students that no other teacher on campus wanted, um, who are the ones that needed the most love and the most attention and the most attunement and the teacher with the most emotional resources. And I didn't have it. And I had a little baby at home. And um, when I went to other teachers for support, like, what do you do with sliding scales with these kids? And, you know, how do you do this? They told me to get on medication. (laughs) And it was the only way I was going to survive. Literally, this was like three teachers told me this. And so I decided to leave. And it was super heartbreaking because I really believed it was my purpose. So, you know, I had Aaron, he was little, I decided to stay home, had a wonderful opportunity to become a writing instructor with one of uh, like a family friend had put together an online writing instruction academy. And so she trained me on how to do writing instruction online. I'd been helping all of my friends through high school and college write papers and editing for them. But coaching that as a different experience. And so mm-hmm. she really taught me how to do that. And when we went out to shop the program, we went to the wrong audience. <laughs> we ended up going to a group of entrepreneurs. So many business lessons in here before I even knew I was supposed to be a business person. Oh, I think right? it fits into this. You can't make this story up. Right? <laughs> <laughs> totally. So we went to a networking group full of entrepreneurs who said, we do not want to learn how to write well. We want you to fix what we've written because we have spent five to 10 years producing content that's not working. Mm -hmm. And so I quickly created a little editing business, um, which was awesome because I had a little one at home so I could edit when he was busy or sleeping and um, started helping a bunch of entrepreneurs get their messages straight and and make more impact. And so uh, I think it was, that must've been 2006 and 2007, I got struck with my own message and I realized that what I really wanted to do was help moms figure out how to not limit their children the way that all of us moms accidentally do all the time mm-hmm. with all of our own story stuff. And, um, you know, I was in the middle of just a, a, a real big crisis in my life. I was trying to figure out what am I supposed to be doing with my life? I don't think this editing thing is the thing. I was supposed to be a teacher who made a big impact. I kind of feel like I'm failing as a mother. And then my mentor asked me, what book are you going to write? And when are you going to write it? And I was like, (laughs) you're insane. I'll write a book. You put your PhD on it. And she said, no, you have something of value to give to the today. What is it? And so I cried and cried and cried and cried. And then I remembered a moment of Aaron being about, I think he was maybe three at this time. And he had um, 
he'd broken a mirror. We were living with my grandmother at the time, his great grandmother, and he'd broken a mirror and he was in big, big trouble. <laughs> I heard my grandma say, Aaron, you bad boy. And there were only a few things you weren't allowed to say to my child and bad and boy together were two of those words. Right. Um, because the message that had really limited me was the accidental connection between my worth and my performance. Mm-hmm. So when I misbehaved, I was bad. Oops, that's a bad connection that was made for me. Mm-hmm. And so I had worked diligently to make Aaron understand you are always good. You just make terrible choices sometimes when you're trying mm-hmm. to get. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so um, I had this memory of him standing up to my grandmother at three years old, because I was running down the hallway, ready to do something terrible to her. I don't know what I was planning, but I got to the end of the hallway and I saw him with his hands on his hips. And he said, I'm not bad. I just made a bad choice and I'm sorry. And I was like, done. <laughs> <laughs> That's a legacy broken. And right. so um, as I was thinking, like, what is the value that I have to give to the world? I thought, you know what? I I have messed some things up with Aaron, but, but there are some things that I've gotten really right. And so immediately I had this vision of, you know, a bunch of children's books, and then there would have to be a parent component to it to help parents understand why I was asking them to do certain things. Because, you know, why read a book and then say a bunch of crap to your kid that's going to undo what you're reading. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, and you're so... talking about integration. It's not just like what right, to right, do, right. but who to be, right? Because what I was really clear on when Aaron got here was that there was nothing wrong with that kid. Um, He was not limited by anything. The limits that were going to happen to him were were going to happen through me or his dad or his environment because he was just this bright light. He'd walk into rooms and make everybody uncomfortable because he (laughs) he could see things. He could see, identify behaviors when he was young. And, you know, People, adults who don't want to look at their stuff respond a particular way and they Mm -hmm. tend to make little kids feel really small and stupid and discount their feelings. And so I was working so hard to make sure not just crazy mama tiger energy at this time, like no one was going to do this to my kid. And so I put together um, an outline for that series and then plot twist a few (laughs) months later. I walked into, um, I decided I'd had this vision of working with um, a secret teacher, teacher from the secret, because it's 2007, that thing was blown up all over the world. And I was like, that's kind of what I'm doing. I'm kind of using the law of attraction with my kid. And um, so I thought I'd just partner with the secret teacher, because why not? I'm just 27. My life is falling apart. It makes perfect sense. (laughs) So three months later, uh, Lisa Nichols walked into a sizzler behind me and invited me to a workshop. And which completely changed my life and also set me on my healing journey. And um, so I learned how to facilitate transformation for teens. I learned how to do it for adults. Um, And my idea for a book kind of fell to the wayside while I was helping other people. And all the while, story was this giant, important factor everywhere. Story was the thing that connected me with students in the classroom. Story was the thing that I used um, to help people take a message from being like black and boring and um, repetitive and like not memorable into something that would just capture people and have them have to contact them at the end of the book. 
And so, you know, I'd been using story everywhere. And the one thing that I didn't realize was that story was creating such an impact with was Aaron. So when he was, I don't even know, 16, 17 years old, um, we're on the way home from village home one day, his uh, school that he found there in Oregon, which you know about and talk about all the time because it's amazing. And we're on our way home and he tells me, um, so my teacher said today that she thinks I'll be able to choose immortality by the time I'm your age. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's interesting. Would you? And without even taking a breath, he said no. And so I played devil's advocate and I pushed and asked and pushed and asked and gave alternatives. What would, you, what would the, the world have to be like? What would the conditions be for you to say yes? And he just looked at me and said, mom, every story that we have ever watched together, what happens to the people who try to mess with time? Like time is a good thing. It makes us care about things. It makes us, you know, and I realized oh shoot, all this story stuff that we've been doing on the couch together, <laughs> all the all the quick pauses and eye rolls and everything, we're actually making quite the difference in this kid's worldview. And so that was the beginning of a religion of story. I thought as I continued to ask him questions and he continued to answer them with story-based answers, I realized, wow, this is something that I've been using to cultivate character and um, really create more agency in this kid. And so that was the beginning of that. Right. But this part about the relationship, and we'll get to Aaron in just a minute here, but this idea that the, the wisdom of Aaron coming through in his comments to you, he many times would awaken you to a new possibility that wasn't present until you actually heard him. Um, this happened a couple of times, if I recall, you know, but this one, like about, a couple of times a day. Yeah. A, day, a couple of times a day. day. Exactly. So this concept that you're, you know, at what age was Aaron when you realized he was your teacher? Was it when you overheard him speaking to your grandmother? No, I, it, I knew it when I held him for the first time because um, I knew that I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I did not know how to be a healthy, happy human. Mm -hmm. And so what I told him was like, we're going to figure this out together. Right. And, you know, as he started to have his little eye show up, you know, his little ego start to show up and develop and say <laughs> no and ask questions that I couldn't answer and demand <laughs> things that I couldn't give him all of a sudden it started to bring up all of my stuff. And I realized, oh, right. So if I can figure out how to give this child the safety that he needs when he feels scared or angry or all the feelings that I had when I was little that just really weren't comfortable for anyone or acceptable at certain times, if I could figure out how to do that for him, then maybe someday I could figure out how to do it for myself. And I think that's probably the, those tantruming twos and threes were probably the time that I was like, mm. <laughs> I wanted, yeah. I wanted that goldfish from Target every time. <laughs> 
All right. Well, let's talk about this, Erin. Um, you know, in a way, and I love the way the book is written, uh, The Religion of Story, this book, because Amanda does a lot of the writing in the beginning, because when you were young, you know, she had these perspectives. But as you got older, you know, you took over more of the writing. As a matter of fact, you wrote the conclusion. And so there was like uh, a metamorphosis in the book that's related to the whole idea of, you know, uh, a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. And once the wings are present, you've got to let the wings take the fly butterfly where it wants to go. And you've become that butterfly in so many ways. Um, so I'm just curious, um, when you think about the power of story and how this book came together, mm -hmm. uh, what was the most exciting to you about it? Was that you actually could take your favorite stories? Like I think the one that you guys told me about, you've got to watch Avatar, The Last Airbender. You've got to watch that, you know? Mm -hmm. And I watched it a couple of times, but why was that such an important show for you? And then how did it relate to some of your other favorites? If you liked what you heard and want to listen to the rest of this incredible conversation, you can do so by visiting livingthepotential.com forward slash membership and create a completely and forever free account with us. And if you're interested, check out the first two chapters of Renee Beth's book, Living the Potential, Engaging the Wisdom of Our Youth to Save the World, which you can also find at livingthepotential.com forward slash book. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time.